Jesus gives me his person to live with. Jesus gives me his purpose to live for. Jesus gives me his priorities to live by. Jesus gives me his provision to live on. And Jesus gives me his power to live through. In him I live and move and have my being. And apart from him, I can do nothing. You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor and author James Ford Jr., Senior Pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us. And Pastor, I, I want to uh, hit on that very last phrase that we just heard, because I think uh, when we've been walking with Christ for a long time, we hear phrases like that, and we, we know what they mean, or at least we think we do. When you're a new believer, uh, you hear something like that, or even a non-Christian, you hear something like that, and you're like, what, what do you even mean by that? I know a lot of people who are doing things apart from Christ. I know a lot of people who have nothing to do with Jesus, and it looks like their life is going great. What do you mean, apart from him, I can do nothing? Yeah, well, when Paul made that statement, uh, he was allowing us to peek into a spiritual realm, and he wanted us to know that anything of value has to come because of your relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ. So what do you mean? That whatever you're doing is not going to amount to a hill of beans in light of eternity. Hmm. The only things that last forever is the word of God and the souls of men. Yeah. And and he attaches it all to Jesus. So the word, if, if I remember, it literally means I can do nothing of any value. Say, yeah, I can still do the things that I'm doing and I can exist, but real life only comes through Jesus Christ. Let let me see. Put on your Greek glasses just for a moment. Okay. Because there are two basic words in the New Testament for life. One is bios, from which we get biology. It means life. Yeah. But it means physical life. But then there's a Greek word, zoe. Say zoe, Steve. Zoe. Okay. And zoe means spiritual life. So Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the zoe. So then, you know, whether we want to agree with it or not, look, you don't have to agree with me and the Bible, you know, but when you die, you'll find out you were wrong if you didn't embrace Jesus Christ. So so what do you mean by that, Pastor Ford? You ask great questions. Thank you. That you need to understand that everything that has value, God has attached it to Jesus Christ. And so read through the scriptures. Why did he send him? So that we might have life and that more abundantly. Yeah. And so I want to make sure that my motivation is Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that my purpose is Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that my provider is Jesus Christ. Why? Because apart from him, we can do nothing. And in today's broadcast, in this message, we're going to see a guy who just about missed that point. Uh, We're going to see that from John chapter 5. So if you can, grab a Bible, join us there as we begin a message entitled, Power at the Pool. Here is Pastor Ford. Sunday school teacher went to one of the deacons and said, Deke, in the Sunday school class today, I asked your son, who tore down the walls of Jericho? And... He told me, I don't know, but it wasn't me. Deacon said, well, look, I know he's bad sometimes, but if my son said he didn't do it, he didn't do it. So incredulous, the Sunday school teacher 
looked like, what is going on? Went to the pastor and said, pastor, and told him what went on and told him uh, what the deacon said, that his son didn't know who did it and his son didn't do it. And the pastor said, he's been a deacon here for 15 years. And if Deke says his son didn't do it and don't know who did it, then his son doesn't know who did it and he didn't do it. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know you're glad you're in a church where your pastor knows who broke down the walls of Jericho. Amen. Uh, uh, but I'm telling you, uh, there are individuals who are ignorant of the Bible. As a matter of fact, I believe that the ignorance of the Bible is so widespread uh, that if ignorance were cornflakes, some of us would be general meals mm -hmm. when it comes to understanding the Bible. I mean, not just carrying it, uh, but knowing what's in it and understanding it. As a matter of fact, there are people who have a Bible, but the Bible doesn't have them. They have a Bible and don't know what's in it. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, have you ever heard this? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Don't the Bible say cleanliness is next to godliness? No. That's not in the Bible. I, I mean, it, it's like you can be casket clean. That's clean. You can be as clean as the board of health and still be filthy on the inside. Don't shout me down. I know I'm telling the truth. Or how many times have you heard with this one? The Bible says God takes care of fools and babies. Now, if you're like me, you hope that the sentiment is true. Even though that's not in the Bible. Now, you know, I kind of wish it was because I ain't been a baby in a long time. So that only leaves one category left open. And, and some of you ought to, ought to really hope that it's in the Bible uh, because you fit both categories. Yeah. You say, I ain't a baby. You're a 40 year old baby. You complain about everything and don't do anything. My point is, it's not in the Bible. How about you take one step, he take two? That's not in the Bible. I mean, it sounds as if God is holding the dusty stepper set. You take one step, he take two. You take one step, he take two. Now, I know there are principles that, that, that say something like that, but that is not in the Bible. How about sending God places? Lord, go on down to the hospital uh, and visit with my mama. And then when you leave there, go to the nursing home and visit my daddy. How do you send somebody where they already are? God is there when you're not there. You know my definition of omnipresence, right? God took himself from where he was to take himself while he was going to get himself where he already was. God can't be sent anywhere. He occupies all of time and space. It's called the ubiquity of God. Say it, ubiquity of God. He fills everything. What about folk who say, I found God? You ain't found God. God has never been lost. You're the one that was lost. I was the one that was lost. He came and found us, Luke 15, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That just goes to show you, you can't get people saved. Why? Because you can't get them lost. Because if you don't know your loss, okay, let me just move on. Yeah, and so here's one, here's one. 
God helps those uh huh. that is not in the Bible. God helps those who helps themselves. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Really? Listen, listen. They say, well, you know, sometimes you got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Well, here's the problem when you're talking about you and God. You can't pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Ask me why. Because you don't have any boots. It isn't God helps those who helps himself. As a matter of fact, I hate to get the Bible in this, but now a word from our sponsor. Our text today, we see power at the pool. Here's the theme, that Jesus Christ helps those who can't help themselves. So we want to look at this power at the pool where he shows this man that he helps those who can't help themselves. And so we're going to look at Christ's visitation, Christ's interrogation, Christ's restoration, Christ's hateration, Christ's transformation, and Christ's declaration. Let's look at it uh, uh, together. First of all, I want you to notice uh, how Jesus starts helping those who can't help themselves. We have Christ's visitation in verses 1 through 4. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. I like the fact that he's going back to Jerusalem. Uh, why do you like that fact, Pastor Ford? I'm glad you asked. You asked intelligent questions. I like it because Jerusalem had rejected him, but yet he's going back again. Yeah, and then he's going to go back again, and then he's going to go back again. Some of you are only here because Jesus didn't give up on you when you gave up on him. Don't shout me down now, because I know I'm preaching already, that you realize that God came after you and clamped onto you with his love like a pit bull, wouldn't let you go. You tried everything to get away, but now, okay, I'm going to show you. How many of you said uh, when you were shorties growing up, they had you in church all day Sunday, so you was there for the service, then you was there for Sunday school, then you had to go for BYU and BYOB, then the evening service. About time you got home and you didn't even remember what your bed looked like. How many remember that and said, when I get old enough, I ain't coming to church? How many said that? Look around, see the hands. Let me ask you a question. What you doing here now? It's because God had a grip on you. And so it, here it is. Christ is visiting this place. It was festival time, which means then it was one of the three big festivals. Come on, holler them out. I know you know because this is Christ's Bible church. One of the three annual festivals, every Jew had to come to Jerusalem to celebrate every year. Start with the first one. Passover. Pentecost. And Tabernacle. How come only the choir who was here this morning said it? I knew you already knew. I knew you already knew because you said it this morning too. And so it's one of these three feasts. And, and so it's a big deal. But John doesn't name the festival. Now, now my question is, he names other festivals. He said it was, it was Pentecost. It was Passover. Why doesn't he name this one? I came up with about eight reasons, but I only have time for one. Can I share the one? Say share the one. Oh, okay, amen. Thank you. You know I needed your permission to keep going. <laughs> yeah, sure he does. You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford. And if you know him at all, you know uh, he doesn't need anybody's permission to do much of anything. But we'll be back to this teaching in just a moment. Hey, I um, want to let you know that we're so thankful and grateful for uh, those of you who listen, who let us know that this Bible teaching program is making a difference in your walk with Christ and even those who are giving a financial gift. So a big thank you to each and every one of you who are a regular listener and supporter of the ministry. If you've never given us your feedback before, you can do that by coming to treasuredtruthradio.org. Click on the contact link. Let us know where you're listening and why. 
And if you'd like to give a gift, you can do that by clicking on the Donate button. But now let's get back to the message. Here is Pastor Ford. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of every festival. He's the fulfillment of Passover. He's the fulfillment of Pentecost. And he's the fulfillment of Tabernacles. Let me just do one. Let me just do Passover. Okay, don't forget where this happened. What gate were they at? The sheep gate. Now, what sheep came through the sheep gate? The sheep that were going to be sacrificed in the temple as an atonement for their sin. The sheep that was going to shed its blood uh, for the sins of the people. Jesus, uh, the reality, uh, has come at the time of the ritual so that everybody will know he's the reality. Mm. The sacrificial lamb is at the sheep gate. Y'all don't know when to shout. First Corinthians chapter five, verse seven says, Christ is our Passover. So everything in the Passover feast points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 12, don't turn there. Just let me tell you what's in there. So he says, I'm gonna give you a Passover and you take a lamb and you slay the lamb. And uh, of course, in Revelation, they said, Jesus, the lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. So in Passover, he said, in Exodus 12, you have to change your calendar. The, their calendar started in the month Tishri, which is, uh, we just celebrate October. He says, now it's going to start in Nisan, which is March slash April. And so he gave them a new calendar year. Why? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are become new. So Christ then comes into our lives and gives us a newness of life. You're supposed to mark the lamb out four days before you slaughter it. Pick it four days before you slaughter it. Why? Because he's the lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. That God wanted us to know that salvation was a forethought, not an afterthought. So God gave us the provision for our salvation before we ever know we needed to be saved. The lamb was to have no spots or no blemish. First Peter chapter one, verse 19 says that Jesus is the lamb with no spot with no blemish, he was perfect. The lamb could only be one year old. That fits Jesus, how do you know that? Because Psalm 102 verse 24 says, Christ was slain in the midst of his years. He wasn't too young, he wasn't too old, he was in the prime of his life. He was the one that God said, he's the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was slain on the evening of Nisan 14. Uh, what's so significant about that? We've talked about it before. What happened? Now, the, the, the high priest has the ritual lamb that he's going to slay for all of the nation. And he goes and washes the lamb. There's no blemishes on it. He brings the lamb, but he sees that the veil of the temple is torn from top to bottom. And he can see the holy of holies. Why? Because Jesus died as the lamb of God committed his soul to the father. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And God said, all right, now that he's died, the separation between God and man is over. Before there only used to be one man who could come in here. Now Lottie Dottie and everybody can come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help them in time of need. God tore it because it's torn from top to bottom to let us know. Ephesians 2.18 He is our peace who have torn down the middle wall. Preach, Pastor Ford. I'm doing the best I can. 
He tore down the middle wall partition which separate us and brought reconciliation, brought us back into fellowship with God. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the blood was applied with hyssop. Wow. The blood had to be applied. That's appropriation of salvation. And it had to be put on with hyssop. Hyssop was a plant that speaks of humiliation. In other words, uh, yeah, you, when you come to him, you realize it's, you can't help yourself. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is a gift of God, not a result of works, lest any man, woman, boy, or girl should boast. So then a application, appropriation of the blood through humiliation of our acknowledgement that we are sinners in the eyes of God. So we have to be like the little boy who messed up when he was supposed to recite Psalm 23, verse 1. He got up, he was scared because he was looking at some of them faces and some of the faces looked like some of y'all's. He said, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, he's all I want. They summarized it, man. That's it. He's all I want because he's all I need. Come on, ask me why. Because Jesus gives me his person to live with. Jesus gives me his purpose to live for. Jesus gives me his priorities to live by. Jesus gives me his provision to live on. And Jesus gives me his power to live through. In him I live and move and have my being. And apart from him, I can do nothing. So what else do I need? The real things in life. Purpose, power, priority, provision. His person. I don't need anything else. So notice, not just the period of Jesus' visitation, but notice the place of Christ's visitation. Verse 2, now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is in the Hebrew tongue called Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Bethesda means house of mercy. Wow. <laughs> I think that great theologian, Buckwheat, as played by Eddie Murphy, said it best. Looking for love in all the wrong places. That's what's wrong. What's going on here? How paradoxical. How oxymoronic is this? How absurd. How ontological this is. What an equivocality. Did you look it up? Oh, okay. What an equivocality. What are you talking about? You are at the house of mercy and don't recognize that the Lord of mercy just stepped in? Mm, mm, mm. Tell me about it, somebody. <laughs> that you don't understand who's in your presence. So Jesus is at the pool with five porches. Now, now five is the number that means two things in Scripture. Grace and man's inability and weakness. So you see how they come together? Five is the number for grace. Why? Because man in his inability and weakness needs it. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Uh, let me just show you what I mean. 
The number five indicates the weakness of men and their need for the grace of God. If you go through the Bible and look at every five in the Bible, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to give you a couple examples. Genesis 5, although men live many years, they must eventually die. So it records men dying. Why? It shows the weakness and inability of mankind. Leviticus chapter 5 recognizes the poverty and inability of uh, God's children uh, to be able uh, to provide what God wants. Esther chapter 5, weakness of Haman and his inability to conquer Mordecai. Mark chapter 5, men are too weak to conquer or control the man in the tomb. John chapter 5, the man at the pool was too weak to enter and his friends were too weak to help. Revelation chapter 5, no man was found worthy to open the book. All the other chapters in the five all contain the weakness and inability of man that needs the grace of God. Five brothers were helpless to keep themselves out of hell. Five husbands were not enough uh, for the woman uh, to satisfy her need and fill her heart. And on and on and on and on it goes. And so here it is now. They're at the pool. What's this pool like? This pool is like Hot Springs, Arkansas. You know what happens at Hot Springs, Arkansas? We have a group that go every year. Now, millions go because they think there's healing in the water. But I was teasing Sister Triplett this morning. She go every year. Her and Sister Nettie go every year. And she get on that bus with a crutch or a cane, and she go to Hot Springs and stay a couple days and then come back, and she got that same crutch when she walked back out there. There was no healing in that water, but that's the legend that was at this pool. And so uh, they thought this pool would cure rheumatism, arthritis, skin disease, and other health problems. That's what they say at Arkansas, at Hot Springs. That's why I draw them people there. And so they wanted to be healed, and they come to these things. What's this pool like? Lower Wacker Drive or Pacific Garden Mission. These people there are hurting and homeless and helpless. Now, watch this. See if you get this. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And where does he go? Bethesda to the pool. Right over your head. I told you all I don't know when to shout. What's going on? There's a big deal. Where's Jesus? At the pool. You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford and a message called Power at the pool. We'll continue that next time on the broadcast. So hope you make it a point to tune in as we continue to look at John chapter five. If you ever miss part of the program, you can always listen online by coming to our website and simply streaming the broadcast or downloading an MP3 for free. Just come to treasuredtruthradio.org. You know, Pastor, one of the uh, things that's so encouraging about being involved in a ministry like this is regular feedback from listeners talking about how God is using this program in their lives. Yes, they're growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, some of them don't have the opportunity at times to get to Bible study. Uh, sometimes uh, they don't get the chance to study on their own at home. Yeah. Uh, but they turn on their radio and uh, Moody Radio is there. Uh, the plethora of teachers and uh, good, sound teaching, and they're able to be edified and built up. And so I know that our listeners want to support us with one-time gifts and monthly gifts. And remember, no gift is too small because it's not what I do with a million if a million would be my lot. But it's what I'm going to do right now with a dollar and quarter I got. 
<laughs> well, if you would like to give a one-time gift or an ongoing monthly gift, you can do that easily by coming to treasuredtruthradio.org. Look for that link that says make a donation and you can give your gift safely and securely online, both the ongoing monthly gift and the one-time gift. Again, that's at treasuredtruthradio.org. Thanks for giving. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll join us next time here on Treasure Truth, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.